I'm Julie Lamb, a therapist turned life and business coach. In all my years as a therapist and coach, I have seen that true healing and growth comes from understanding your greatest asset, your brain. To manage your life and business, you first have to manage your mind. I'm here to help you figure out what the hell is my brain doing? Welcome back to this podcast. I'm really excited to talk about this part of what the hell is my brain doing because I want to go deeper into the safety. So remember this series as we're talking about, we're talking about the evolution of the brain. The brain is built on this negative bias. What's going to keep me safe? What's going to keep me moving in the right direction? And when we look at those things, then we just understand it's just part of our survival. Those things then impact that nervous system. Remember we talked about the parasympathetic, the sympathetic, and the social cues. That's just all how that all plays together. So I want to talk about safety. The next part that we're going to talk about the safety idea is where did it come from? And I want to actually go back to, if anybody's heard Maslow's hierarchy of needs and Maslow was a psychologist in the 1940s that developed the idea that there was a system of needs that had to be met. And every time this need was met and we moved up this ladder, it created the better version of ourselves, shall I say. So according to Maslow, the first basic level is the physiological needs. These are your basic survival. These are things like oxygen, water, food, clothes, sleep, and even sex is put in here. And they put it there because it's the survival of the species. So if you think about what survives the species, it is those basic needs. Remember that brainstem needs. Those basic needs are what keep us alive. When those are all met, then we move up to the next level, which is actually the safety trigger. And the safety is the security of yourself, of others. It has to do with like employment, your home, the environment you're in, your health. Those basic needs are just a little bit more elevated. These first two, those, again, those are those basic needs. The idea that we have shelter, the idea that we have food and clothing, the idea that we feel like we are, our tribe is connected and safe. When we have those met, then the next is this idea of social. It's this love and belonging. And the love and belonging is like friendship, family, connection, community, sometimes church, whatever it may be. Essentially, when we feel like we belong, remember those three basic needs that our brain needs. This is that third one, the idea of connection. Then the next one is esteem. And this is how we feel about ourselves and sometimes others. So it's confidence, it's respect others have for us or respect of them our achievements, our self-esteem, these two, this love and belonging and this esteem, those are the psychological. So we have the basic, which is our physical. This is the psychological aspect. So when our physical needs are in danger, then we can't actually move up into psychological needs. So this is really kind of a, a critical one to look at. If you've ever been abused or if you've ever experienced or seen that sort of trauma, your basic needs have been hurt. And because your basic needs have been hurt, you're not actually able to process. This is what trauma is in the brain. And I'm going to talk about trauma in another episode, but this is what I really want you to focus on is the idea that if I have had anything happen in those first two levels, my basic needs, if anything has happened there, my responses, remember we talked about last time how your brain builds those responses, my responses will impact the psychological and so as a therapist, I tend to go back a lot to some of these basic needs. Where did this happen? Like, when did you experience this that didn't allow you to have safety, didn't allow you to have your basic needs met? Because until we can feel like those needs are met, I can't ask you to go to the next level. A perfect example of this is a lot of times people think homeless people, there's a lot of misconceptions out there, but 
I want you to think some people say, well, if they just get a job, if they just did whatever, but I want you to actually go back to this idea that oftentimes their basic needs are not met their idea of shelter, clothing, food. And so to ask them to suddenly like feel great about themselves and belong to a tribe is really difficult because those other needs aren't met. This is one of the things I think is interesting is that people tend to clump everybody together and you can't do that because sometimes people may have these basic needs met but then they struggle to feel like it's enough to feel like it's going to stay. It's going to be there forever because perhaps they lost homes when they were younger or they didn't know where their next meal was coming from, or they had lost friendships. Something may have happened in those areas that stunts it and stops it. So last time, remember I asked you to think about when did I decide those things this time? I want you to actually look back and be like, when did this happen when I stopped moving up this ladder? When did I not feel like my basic needs, my physiological and safety needs were met? When did I feel like I didn't fit in? I didn't belong. When did I feel like I didn't have confidence in myself and my abilities? When did that happen? And then the next part is what stories am I telling myself that have happened or proof that I have to continue to believe that? So an example of this again is I, I saw this a lot when I worked in the veterans hospital where I was working with veterans that essentially didn't feel like they had some of their basic needs met. They were actually homeless. And so they didn't have a place to live and they were dependent upon the system and the system was supposed to help them. And oftentimes they felt like it didn't help them. And so they didn't trust it. So they didn't feel safe and secure. And so here we are trying to say, let's talk about belonging and wanting to be in something. And we saw programs that didn't survive because these basic needs still weren't being met. And so the idea of we can all stop drinking, we can all stop doing those things. How can I do that if I don't have those other needs? So if you've got something really big that you want to really work on and you feel like I can't, I keep running into a roadblock. I don't feel like I'm good enough. I don't feel like I belong. Go back to these other needs. Where do you not feel safe? Where do you not feel like you are secure? Where do you feel like something's off? Because when we have those areas, we can achieve what Maslow's calls the big top is the self-actualization. And essentially, this is a person's motivation to reach their potential. All of us can reach this potential. All of us have that capability within us. But sometimes what stops us is one of these other layers. So when we talk about this safety trigger, this emotional trigger that happens, this fight, flight, freeze, or fawn, oftentimes we have to go back. Where did it happen in this pattern? Another aspect of where did this all come from, not only this basic safety, but I want to go back to Eric Erickson is somebody that I really appreciate his take on development. He believes that there's different stages that we have to go through in this development process. And if along the way, something happened where we didn't actually get to experience that, then it stunts us. So as an example... From zero to three is this idea of trust and mistrust. This is where basically you think about that newborn baby, that little toddler is learning to explore their world. I'm hungry, I cry, and I get fed. I can trust that when I cry, I'm going to get fed. Or I can trust that mom and dad will catch me or whatever may happen. Like I can trust that these things will happen. But the minute it doesn't happen is when a mistrust starts in their brain. And so there's a lot of talk about this nature nurture um, when it comes to the brain, but really, I think it all comes back to this development aspect of how have we experienced different safeties, essentially is what we're going to call it, basic needs being met. And then how have we internalized it? If my basic need of food was never met, I always felt like it was lacking. Then as an adult, I may always struggle with food issues. 
Now, some people may say, Julie, that's not really true. You get to make a decision. You get to whatever. Sometimes it's whatever. I just want you to think that maybe what if it is possible that how something happened when I was younger truly did impact me and how I see the world. This is what's funny is that a lot of times we think, oh, it's only if bad things happen. It's only if like something horrible, I was abused. I was, you know, neglected all these horrible things. But I want to actually offer that sometimes it's smaller than that. It can be a simple thought of if your mom always talked about diet, then you might have some body issues. If you always felt like you had to get the perfect grade and it was never enough, if it wasn't, then you may have a lot of perfectionistic tendencies. You may also have had a wonderful childhood where you think nothing's really wrong, but why as an adult, do I always feel like I'm not enough? Why do I always feel like I'm just there's something missing. Oftentimes we can go back to that development stage to say there was this event that happened. There was this circumstance that occurred here. There was this time when I didn't feel safe. There was this time when I had these messages coming at me and that created, remember that Grand Canyon effect of my beliefs and ideas. All of this then goes to say that my brain then decides at that moment, how I'm going to interpret it. Is it safe? Is it not safe? And remember my brain's going to look for the negative anyway. It's going to find things and say, this is what's going to keep us safe. It's going to imagine two things. It's going to imagine that there's like a saber tooth tiger hiding behind the bushes and there isn't, or it's going to imagine that there is not a saber tooth tiger. We're totally free. And there is both create danger. And the only way that we honestly can sense it is through these past experiences, our brain looks through those past experiences to say, because of this, this is why this happens. Because of this, this is what this looks like. So this exercise, one of the things I want you to really start going through are what are my stories around relationships? What are my stories around my health? What are my stories around money? What are my stories around my employment, my business, my life? Like think about some of these thoughts that you have that you're like, I don't, I don't love that. Go back. When did I not feel like a basic need was met? When did I feel like a psychological need was met? Like what was going on there? The more that we can understand those aspects, the more we can understand when we have an acute stress response, how to help with the fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. Because if I don't understand where it came from, if I don't understand what motivates me, if I don't understand why I do the things I do, I don't go deeper there then I can't actually help when it comes to that safe response of the fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. This is a work in progress. So sometimes I want you to say, if you take all of it, it feels so overwhelming. So just take one thing, take one thing that you're like, you know what? I actually really want to change my thought around this. And then look back and say, what are all my thoughts about it? Where did all my beliefs come with this? The evidence I have, how has this kept me safe? How has this actually helped along those Maslow's hierarchy? How has this been part of my development? And then if I want to choose something different, remember, I'm going to create a new A to B line over the Grand Canyon. What are the things I can do daily, weekly, monthly that will help me to create better beliefs, better safety triggers? When I can do that, that will help me to create a different view, a different safety in my brain. I hope this was helpful. We covered a lot of information and I still have two more days that I want to go through. And what I want you to really take away from this is that your brain is really just trying to keep you safe. And it does so based upon the experiences and the people it's had. So maybe we need to ask ourselves as well, not only is what the hell is my brain doing, but sometimes what the hell are others doing? What are they doing and how is that impacting me? 
that's actually what we're going to talk about next time. And so until then, this is Julie Lamb with What the Hell is My Brain Doing? If you love today's show, I would love for you to take a minute and give a five-star rating and a review. Subscribe and share with those that you know would love to learn more about managing their brains. If you're ready to join me, I want to invite you to coach with me where we uncover more about your brain so that you can have the life and business you dream about. Manage your brain is more than just a thought. It is a possibility. Go to www.julielamcoaching.com to learn more.